0: Some of you have heard the expression London calling, well this is Bob calling, this is my life story. I hope it entertains you because I'm sure I was entertained one way or the other, either fantastic or God know, during my life. And uh, so here goes, I had a lot of uh, uncles and aunties, Uh, my father had four brothers and two sisters and my mother had three brothers and two sisters, one of those sisters being her twin and um, they were look-alike twins. Um, There's so many things that I can talk about. Um, I really enjoyed all my uncles and aunties. Um, they are all nice people, good people. And uh, I used, to, I, I suppose I lived through a period of time and we used to see lots of your relatives. Um, it was just one of those things that people sort of clung together, I guess. <coughs> um, I never knew my grandfathers, uh, they all died when I was a, a little tacker. Uh, but I knew my grandmothers and uh, oh, my father's mother, I guess. Um, I might have been in my late 20s, 30 years of age or something. Um, actually, I was in my 30s when she passed away. My mother's mother, um, I guess I was in my 20s when when she finally... Um, Uh, passed away. Both very nice grandmas. Loved them both. However, I can tell a few stories about uncles and aunties. Um, My um, mother's three brothers, they were engineers and they had a business called Seal New Jersey and Sons. And they um, virtually took over the business from their father and um, they invented quite a lot of machinery, uh, mainly uh, food machinery for uh, processing and and developing different products. Probably the two most famous uh, would have been the crumpet machine, and uh, it, it was a machine that Basically it went from crumpets being made totally and utterly manually to completely automatic and those machines were sold all around the world and I do believe from one of my cousins that some of those machines are still operating today. if you can imagine how these crumpets were made manually, and I did see it quite a number of times because we used to pass a, uh, a little shop on our way home from school. The door was always open and in wintertime two blokes would get in there and start making crumpets and they had basically a big long hot plate which I would reckon would have been Oh, it's pretty hard to remember now, as it you know, so far back. But I would say uh, it was three or four metres long, the big hot plate, uh, probably by about um, something like about a metre or one point two metres um, deep. And um, what they would do, um, they would they were just dressed like all bakers were in those days: uh, white singlet, um, white trousers. And they would smother their arms in oil right up to their armpits and um, would put the crumpet rings on their arms, totally fill their arms up with rings so that the rings would automatically grease as they flicked them off onto the hot plate. And then many other guys would go along um, with a big basin and a ladle and he would ladle out the, the liquid. And uh, it was just incredible to watch that that it was virtually used to just sort of throw it into the rings and it was just perfect, perfect to watch. And then the other guy would come along behind him and he would start turning the crumpets over and I uh, I, I think they cooked uh, the total brown side on the first bake and then he flicked them over and 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 um, they just bubbled on on the other side and the like by well, this time, i finished putting the liquid out. he go back, start uh, picking up the crumpets. Well, it went from that to this machine, which is very difficult to describe. Um, but if you've seen this, what a caterpillar tractor looks like—the the, the big track it was one of those, a great big track, and um, with the rings on it, and the liquid used to automatically pour into those. Rings that were on the on on the track, and then it would go along. And of course, it was a heated track, and and um, well they would cook. And by the time they got to the other end, uh, before I start circling around to go back to where it started from, um, a, a big hot plate would come down and sizzle the top, and that would put the holes in it. And then, as it had the crumpets went over on the curve of the track, they were they were wiped off and um went on to Iraq um yeah very very well done um and I I can remember I actually got involved in um as a young 14 year old boy uh, going over to the factory and got involved in in um or doing little bits and pieces with with my uncles with those those um Machines. Um, I do remember one funny incident. Um, I, well, first of all, let me say in days gone by, the North Melbourne Football Club um, had a greyhound track running around the outside of the football ground. And that's where all the greyhound racing was done at, at North Melbourne Football Ground. I think they call it Arden Street Ground. And um, my uncles had a, um, a job to build um, starting gates. And they were going to be um, what they called handicapped starting gates. So they were in individual gates, individual boxes with a gate on the front. So they could place these boxes in different positions on the track so the dogs were, were actually handicapped. And... Um, <clears throat> So anyway, um I, uh, I was actually living with my um, uh, with, with an uncle and auntie, um mum's brother, um, and um, I uh, I'm probably out of sequence a bit here because there's a reason why I was living there, which I'll tell you later. Um, but uh, I I went to the factory. And uh, with my uncle one Saturday morning and he had these boxes there and uh, um, they were all done and finished. And he just wanted to test the electronics on them to go over there and press a button and watch the gates go up, uh, which we did. And uh, I said to my uncle, how come they are so narrow? They're they're probably only about... Oh, I'm taking a rough step in the dark here again because of of time but I already know probably about roughly a 300 mil wide and um, he said well the whole idea of that is once a dog goes in the dog can't turn around and he said some of these blokes have put the dogs in or get up to skullduggery they won't be able to mess around with the dog the dogs just have to go in this little narrow box and he said um, once that gate goes up he's out and running so he said to me, How would you like to um, next Thursday night come with me along to the North Melbourne Footy Ground? It's the inaugural meeting, Greyhound meeting, using these handicap boxes. So oh, I'd be great. So off we went and um, we uh, got there and uh, they set up the first handicap race and uh, up went the gates. And uh, one dog come out backwards. My uh, uncle was horrified. So I don't know what they did to get out of that problem. I really don't. Anyway, um, so there was a lot of other machines that they made. And um, they did quite well in those early days. Um, Anyway, um, my... my mother's twin sister, she never lived far from us. We could actually walk to her place. It was probably about a quarter of an hour walk. And uh, I was always amused when we walked down her street that ladies coming the other way, walking the other way, would always refer to my mother as Mrs. Lyon. And I would say, how come they're calling you Mrs. Lyon, Mum? Because our name is Hutchinson. And she said, oh, well, I, I just look so much like my sister. They think that I'm my sister. And... Uh, and was, the odd thing about it was, I didn't think they looked alike at all, but they, but they did. They were absolutely spot on. Perfect match. And then, there was my auntie Elvie, and she um, she lived in Maui with uh, her husband. That was Mama's other sister. And uh, her husband was Harold, my uncle Harold. They were, they were quite nice. And um, there was some... Um, Uh, We used to go up to to Maui and stay there for a couple of days and mum would see her sister and then we'd come home. Um, So that was the uncles and aunties on on that side. And, of course, um, mum's three brothers were Uncle Dave, uh, Uncle Les and Uncle Wally, and um, Uncle Dave um, was... Married to Auntie Bonnie, Uncle Wally was married to Auntie Phyllis, and Uncle Les was married to Auntie Edie. Auntie Edie unfortunately lost her life in a car accident. Um. Uh, coming back from South Australia, they ran off the highway and uh, she was killed in the car. Um, not pleasant. Of course, they all had children, uh, my cousins, and um, I still see some of them today. Uh, maybe we might talk about them a little bit farther down the track. Um, then on my father's side, his four brothers were uh, my Uncle Les, my uh, Uncle Arthur, Uncle Bert, and Uncle Bill, who was referred to as Billo because um, one of Mum's, but one of Dad's sisters, um, Auntie Hilda, uh, she was married to a Bill. So we had a Bill and Bill O. And then there was um, Auntie Iris. Now, Auntie Iris never married. She lived with my grandma basically the whole of my grandmother's life, I looked after her. And um, my um, Uncle Bert, he was the same. He never ever got married. Um, and uh, when I had the job of having to bury him years ago, I had finally found out that he was actually gay. So, um, and none of his brothers ever, ever had an idea that he was, he was gay. So, um, Uncle Les was married to Auntie, Auntie Alma. Uncle Arthur was married to Auntie Joan. Uncle Bill was married to, and you're not going to believe this, but I just can't think of her name now. It's gone. I might think of it later and, and pop it back in. Um, and of course, um, Auntie Hilda was married to Uncle Bill. So. We, um, we saw lots of them as well and um, um, my uncle Arthur um, he had a handbag factory. He employed about 10 women making good old Australian made handbags and like some of them were you know, fairly dressy type handbags and and later on in years to come when I got married, um, he was still running the business and I used to get the odd handbag for from, from my wife, Carolyn. Um, my um, Uncle Bill um, really not sure what he used to do for a living. I know in the early days he was, he worked um, for his father as a blacksmith and farrier. But that's my grandfather was a blacksmith and farrier and in fact you Look back, they're all blacksmiths and farriers. <coughs> and um, my uh, uncle Bert, I think he worked for the Star Bike Company. Um, and uh, my uncle Les, he continued on the trade of the blacksmith and farrier, farrying. And um, I uh, really to this day wish. My father let me be apprentice to my Uncle Les uh, because I just absolutely loved uh, working in the blacksmith shop with him. I used to go there every spare moment I had. And uh, as I got older, he had me striking on the anvil with a big hammer and used to go and get uh, horses for him, local stables and bring them back to be shod. Quite often I was be Blacking their feet for him, um, yeah, it was it was just absolutely beautiful. I just absolutely loved it. Um, anyway, he wanted to apprentice me, but Dad Dad wouldn't let it happen. Um, anyway, um, I do remember a bit of a funny story with Les. Um, he used to. Um, shoe horses for a lot of dairies and bakeries. They all had horse-drawn vehicles in those days. And one of them was a fellow by the name of Frank Island. And I can tell you more stories about Frank Island later on, but Frank sort of knew me as a little kid and uh, sort of watched me grow up. Frank had quite a number of dairies. Uh, He had a big uh, bottling plant in Murnong Street, Hawthorne. And... um, he uh, was an extremely wealthy man, and but he was an ordinary Joe. Um, I swear like a bullock driver. Um, and uh, because my dad and his brothers grew up with him, uh, it was all very friendly stuff. And I remember one day um, my uncle had a big black Oldsmobile, and um, we go out. Uh, doing what they call cold chewing, And um, he uh, would always put the spent shoes um, on the floor of the the, uh, Oldsmobile and, of course, they'd have a bit of manure on them and uh, didn't worry us, but occasionally we'd go and pick up my auntie Alma from work and she used to go crook the smell. Anyway, my uncle Liz got round to buying a new car. He ordered a nice Ford Fairlane when they came out. Had to be fully imported, so he had to wait six months for the car to come. And uh, when it did arrive, my auntie Alma said to him, uh, as she used to in a very shrill voice, Leslie, Leslie, I do not want to see those dirty horseshoes going on the floor of the Fairlane. So I was all right with what i in the boot. And one day we're at Frank Island's dairy and we just finished showing some horses. And um, Frank came out from the dairy and yelled out to Les, Les, Les. And he had a, a big, almost as big as a, as a basketball, he had an um, aluminium foil parcel. And... Um, he said, "Hey, let's take take this home and try it." He said, oh, "I've just made um, some cheese, and it was uh, a blue vein cheese." He was he was a pretty clever bloke, Frank. He was um, before his time um, with lots of things in the in the industry. Uh, just digressing for a moment, he was the first person in uh, Victoria to actually uh, bottle milk in cartons. So um, that's not the correct. Terminologies of bottled milk and cartons, but he had carton milk. And um, anyway, uh, so we put that on the floor of the fair lane and we went to pick up my auntie. And um, she got in the car, and if she was really angry, she called him by his first name, which was Herbert. I said, Herbert, Herbert, what do I say about putting those horseshoes in the back on the floor of the car? He said, "No, I'm sorry, sweetheart." He said, "That's cheese." So, and I never really got to taste it, so I, I don't, I don't know how it turned out. But um, I've seen so many funny things. I we, we used to have parties at our place, and Dad's brothers would turn up, and a few other hangers-on, and and they would have a, a nine-gallon barrel of beer which I was always allowed to pump pump up and down to, to get the pressure up and uh, so anyway um, another relative uh, which was my auntie Jones sister uh, Dorothy I to call her auntie dot she had a magnificent singing voice and I suppose in another time she probably could have made something out of that it was absolutely fantastic voice. And uh, they have these parties she was always asked to sing. And so there's like a sort of, if you can imagine, a semicircle of people sitting in our dining room. Um, And she's standing at the front singing. And my Uncle Arthur, uh, true, 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 this is, he walked round behind her (coughs) and she had... A dress on it you might have had a few multiple petticoats under it so the dress sort of stuck out a bit <coughs> and um he just walked up behind and i heard him softly say just keep singing and he ran his hands up underneath the dress and dropped her pants to the floor i know that sounds pretty ordinary but it brought the roof down in the room and she just kept singing and never missed a beat and then he pulled her pants back up again no one saw anything they shouldn't have seen except for the pants around her ankles and how i i just lived in that in that era of stuff that you just can't believe it happened you know um i suppose out of all the boys my uncle arthur was probably the one that consumed the most alcohol a cigarette smoker as was my auntie Joan I was her favourite nephew um, and uh, as a kid when they had these parties I was always on her knee because my brother and sister had always been in bed asleep um however um she, uh, she just absolutely loved it because she never had any children. Neither did my auntie Alma have any children. Neither did my uncle Bill's wife have any children. Uh, my uncle Bert, obviously being gay, never had any children. My auntie Hilda had three children. She had two boys and a girl um, Ronnie, Dennis, and Faye. They were our only cousins in that, in, in, in that big family. It was quite amazing, really. Um, but yeah, they were all good times. My grandmother was a, my mum, my dad's mum was a fantastic cook. Um, God, there's so many stories I can tell about uh, all of that, but I think I might have to sign off for, for <laughs> tonight.